Hey guys, welcome back. Let's see if third time is the charm, right? Looks like we got it connected this time. If you're catching this on the replay, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Hey, Mel, I finally made it in. Periscope put me through the blues tonight. I tell you, but we're going to keep on going till we get it. If you're listening to this on one of the uh, podcast outlets, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you click the follow and subscribe. Those of you that are with me normally Monday through Friday on GDT time, how y'all doing? I hope y'all had a wonderful day. I had a wonderful time this afternoon. Um, had a beautiful day, but a wonderful time this afternoon. Spending time over with the Standing in the Gap Prayer Warrior family. What a wonderful testimony Tuesday it was, right? So tonight's lesson, lesson, we're talking about hope, right? Y'all know I love my acronyms. I just can't help it, right? Home of personal encouragements, right? Our God, our wonderful, wonderful Father, the home of personal encouragement. In that alone, just hearing that, that's all the hope that I need, right? And hopefully by the end of this lesson, if you come in feeling a little down on your hope and saying, man, hey, Mother Clark, glad to see you. Let me pull this up over here. Also on the bigger screen so I can see everybody that's coming in, acknowledge everybody, make sure everything's going good over here. Let me see, let me see before we get started. That way I don't have to reconnect anything. All right, it looks like we're good. All right, let's get into it, right? Hope, the home of personal encouragement. You guys know I like to frame everything. So let's first look at what hope is, right? A feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. We've all had, you know, hopes, dreams. Hopefully you still have even more, right? Hopefully you've accomplished some of those things, right? See, I just threw the word in right there, hopefully. You, you've accomplished some of those things. Hopefully, you're looking forward saying, you know, I know this too shall pass, whatever it is, if you're going through something right. We can apply hope to so many things in so many ways. But let's look here. Worldly hope is a combination of wanting and expecting, right? Worldly hope. And, and when I first put that together, I said, hmm, that's kind of different, right? Now, worldly hope it's a little bit more than wishful thinking, right? There's like that inkling, that itching that we will get exactly what we want. But again, one of the things that we have to remember to put into that, right? Mother Clark, so glad to have you. One of the things that we have to put into that, hey, Joan, look at there. I see Joan got a picture now. Come on now, somebody. Praise God. Y'all, come on. Y'all got to give up some taps for Joan. She got that picture on there. That's what I'm talking about, being obedient. All right, now. Um, worldly hope is that inkling that we'll get what we're waiting for, what we're wanting. But sometimes we get so caught up in the hope, in the dream, in the vision, because we can see a thing so clearly. We know exactly how we want it to go, right? But we forget to interject in, hmm, is this a part of God's will, right? So that's that worldly hope. Now, biblical hope, um, is very, very different from worldly hope, right? And so what we're going to look at here, five types of biblical hope and break them down. And you may be saying, Tor, how you going to pull that out? Mm-hmm, watch me, right? As my grandma would say, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you, right? There's five types of biblical hope. The first one, um, experiential hope, right? And that is, experiential hope is optimism 
in your current circumstances, right? Because of what you've already experienced, things that you've been through, that God has brought you through, you have that hope from what you've experienced, what God has done in prior circumstances. If a good example of that, if we look at Romans 5, 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience. 5, 4, Romans 5, 4, and patience experience and experience hope. Romans 5, 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, right? So breaking that down, and that's saying, okay, we know the power that our God has. So when you're, you're, Banking on that experiential hope, you're saying, I know he brought me through the last storm, right? This one, it may be raining a little harder than it was last time. I may be feeling a little bit more down. I may be a little bit more doubtful than I was last time. But because of my experiential hope, I know that he's going to bring me through, right? Then we have that unshakable hope, right? That's like that reservoir of strength in life storms. When those storms come, sometimes we've depleted what, you know, all our flesh can handle, right? So then we go back in our storehouse, in that reservoir and say, I'm going to need this hope right here that I've been saving up for a rainy day, that unshakable hope that runs deep, right? Unshakable hope is like a solid anchor, you know, an anchor dropping over the side, you know, and the anchors, when you look at them, uh, when I was in Florida and I would, you know, really got to see them up close when the big cruise ships, you know, coming in. Well, you have this big, huge cruise ship. And if you look at the size of the anchor that they drop compared to the size of the ship, you're like, man, how is that thing going to hold? But that's how our unshakable hope, it provides a solid anchor, right? Securely fastens us down for those strongest storms in life. No matter how the winds billow, no matter what comes at us, we go into that reserve and say, now I'm tapping into my unshakable hope, right? You're fastened so tight, so steadfast in a place, even though Satan's coming at you 90 miles going west, you're like, mm-mm, you're in that matrix mode, just slow motion, like, uh-uh, devil, not today, mm-mm, I'm in my unshakable hope zone, you will not touch me, right? And if we look here, uh, a passage that I like, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest in his unchanging grace, in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Y'all know that, right? That old song, the solid rock, right? All other ground is sinking sand. You have your anchor firmly planted. It is unshakable. That's that unshakable hope, right? If we look at Hebrews 6 and 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. Hebrews 6 20, where Jesus has entered us as a for as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, right? So saying, this is my anchor, the anchor of my soul. No matter what you do to my flesh, my soul is anchored in the Lord. Oh, I love that song. I'm telling y'all, my soul is anchored in the Lord. There is nothing you can do or say to, can shake, to shake me, to remove my faith, to pull my anchor up out of this, right? Uh, the next form of hope is that blessed hope, right? It's the absolute guarantee that Jesus will come again, right? And things 
things will be as the scripture, as his word says. That's the blessed hope. If you look at Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That falls under your blessed hope. When you start saying, you know what, uh, Sharonda, I don't care if I ever see you again because Titus 2.13 tells me, look for that blessed hope. You know what? You wasn't a good man for me anyway. And I ain't worried about that because when I look at my word, my word tells me, which we know his word does not come back void. So Tyrone, while you packing your bags, I'm going to read Titus 2.13 because I'm looking for that blessed hope. I might have saw you as the hope to come in and save me and bring me out of poverty because you got a six-figure income. You got a fancy car. You know, you got a big old bank account. I thought you was the savior for me and my kids, but mm -mm. Titus 2.13 tells you, looking for that blessed hope, right? And the glorious appearing of the great God and our savior, Jesus Christ. The next kind of hope is that permanent hope, that work of the spirit, right? This is the hope that the fruit of the spirit, the spirit, that all believers can always, you know, as believers, we can always expect it. If we look at first Corinthians 13, 13, but now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love, right? That's that hope that is a permanent work of the spirit, right? If we look here, in chapter 13, Paul contrasts the gifts of the Spirit, right, with love. And if we look at how he breaks it down, he says the gifts will ultimately pass away. But the three things that will always be available from God are what? Faith, hope, and love. Everything else will pass, but we can guarantee those three things will remain, right? So that's that hope that is a permanent work of the Spirit. So recapping back, so far the five, we have that experiential hope, right? That optimism to say, hey, Gabe, welcome. Hey, Sandra, I didn't see you come in. That hope that tells us for those just coming in, that hope that tells us because God delivered me he took care of my problems that I had before, so I know in this situation, he's going to come through, right? Because he is a God of his word. Then we have that unshakable hope, our anchor. We've dropped it down, and we're like, I shall not be moved. My anchor is holding me, right? This ship that's dragging me along, this storm that's coming, it may appear bigger than my anchor, but guarantee you what, my anchor is so far planted down that my hope is unshakable. That next hope is that blessed hope. Hope, right? We know his word says that he will come again and things will be wonderful. That was Titus 2.13. If we're looking at the hopes of the Holy Spirit, uh, Kelly, that was 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But now abide faith, hope, love. These three but the greatest of these is love. And Paul breaking that down, if you read through chapter 13, and he's saying the other gifts are going to go away, but the three that will always be available, always a bountiful supply from our Father God is faith, hope, and love, right? Uh, number five is the hope that reflects our personal desires. And you may be saying, hmm, Torah, you know what? Y'all don't worry. Y'all know I'm going to tell y'all what I'm talking about, right? Hope that reflects personal desires, right? The Bible 
refers to this type of hope as desires of the heart. Let's look at it here, right? If we look at Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. See, I use the King James. Hey, Trish, glad to see you. I use the King James version because Mel likes that one, right? Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life, right? So look in here, the five types of hope. But then what we're going to do is we're going to take this down and we're going to look at just a little bit more at the, the hopes that deal with personal desires, right? And what can happen if we defer those off because we know things can be going real good but then something comes along and attempts to you know start whacking away at our hope right bringing us down we're standing 200 feet tall and then something just steady chopping you know and just steady trying to bring us down right two different areas where when we're walking this walk of faith, right? When we're trying to get through and saying, Lord, I'm trying to be the best CIA that I can be. I'm trying to adhere to your word, right? Um, there's the personal desires, right? If we look at personal desires for Abraham, Abraham and a child, and he's seeing, okay, let's look, okay, personal desires, Abraham and his child, right? Or you may have a desire to travel. You may be seeking a spouse, you know, any kind of personal thing that has the potential to defer you, right? Or to make the heart sick if you don't get what you're wanting, right? You don't get that promotion. You don't get that new car. You don't get the white picket fence, right? You don't get the man or the woman of your dreams, whatever that is that falls under that category of personal desire. Now, if we're looking at spiritual desires here, let's look at David. He wanted to build God a temple. And God was like, what God say? Mm -mm -mm. Daniel wanted to see the people of Israel back in their homeland, you know, right? They did get to go, but he never saw that in his lifetime, right? As you're going through the scripture, but um, Daniel never got to see that. Sometimes, you know, we want to do things for God and we're trying to move right or we're trying to see people a lot of times one of the things that I've been hearing over the uh, last month, like a repeating thing. People are like, but I gave it my all, you know? I was this close and I really thought they were ready to come to Christ, you know? And the encouragement that I give them is we have to remember, you know, the water, uh, the plant uh, uh, principle right there, right? You may not see them coming, but you've done your part. You've done your godly work, right? You've done, you've done your part in that spiritual desire. So you can't become discouraged and say, well, you know, I didn't get to see them. I wasn't the one that got to lead them to the altar, right? That starts to dip over into that fleshly side, that worldly side. So we have to be very careful of that, right? The, uh, but any of these, whether we're looking at personal or spiritual desires, can lead to a sick heart. Let's look at it a little further here. If we look at Isaiah 49 and 2, Isaiah 49 and 2, and had and he had made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And you may be like, Tor, what the world did you just say? What did you just read? That's really an interesting piece of text right there. I really like it, right? It's basically saying someone is, uh, if you look at it, being a person being prepared for the public, right? Maybe public speaking, whatever it is, they've been prepared for it, right? Finally crafted. 
arrow just sharp, right? Taken through the seat, just polished and ready to go. But then stuck in a quiver and seemingly shell. It's like saying, okay, you had all the training, you've taken all the courses, you've gotten so high, but then when it's time to step forward, it's like God says, wait a minute, I'm gonna need you to just step back just a little bit more. And we're like, wait a minute. I I thought it was my time. I'm all shined up. I'm all polished. This isn't my time to shine, right? That's what Isaiah 49 and 2 breaks down, right? And let's take it a little bit further. Y'all know how I like to get in and break it down, right? Y'all know how, uh, what we call it, tornado fashion, right? So uh, let's translate here. Here, if you look at the word hid in this portion of text, it's the Hebrew word, right? Kavah. That's how it's pronounced, K-A-W-B-A-W, if you want to go do your research on it, but it's pronounced kavar, right? One of the definitions for that word, for hid, the way it's used in that scripture is to be forced into hiding, to quench, put out, be put out, be quenched, or be extinguished, right? And if we look at ways, again, and let me go back through it here. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. You're ready to go. You're polished. You know that stage is yours. You know the calls are going to start coming in for that speaking engagement. You know they're going to call you for that company to job to go out and start representing the company. You just know because you're so polished and ready to go. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. Hey, Miriam, glad to see you. Glad to see you, sister. And in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, right? To be forced into hiding. That's what that means when we take it back to the Hebrew text. I just had to put that in, right? Do a little teaching tonight, right? Tornado teaches. That's how we do it around here. Because it's so easy just to graze over and read through these scriptures. But to me... It requires getting a little bit in depth and saying, hmm, it says, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. What's that mean? Going a little bit deeper into it, right? That way the word gets a little bit deeper in your heart. And the next time you hear it, or the next time you are you feel like you've been shelved, right? That you've been put to the back, that you're so polished and ready to go, you say, hmm, okay, I got it. Because it's broken down. You've really gotten into that scripture and taken it in. And as he says, hide the word in your heart right let's look here john the baptist right um was filled with the holy spirit from his mother's womb right and he waited he only had six months of public ministry filled and waiting right if we take jesus at 12 mesmerizing people astounding people in jerusalem right then he had 18 silent years right 18 silent years hidden Caval, just waiting, right? Polished, but waiting, right? Joseph waited in God's quiver after, remember the dreams that he had. His brothers got mad at him and was like, wait, you see us bowing down to what? Uh-uh, look at what Joseph went through, right? While he was in God's quiver. Remember the last portion of that scripture, right? And, and, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. Just think about Joseph, everything that he went through, right? David waited while a demon, tortured king, ruled Israel as he was hidden in God's quiver, right? Moses waited. A season of waiting is not what we expect. It's not what we want. But I tell you the one thing, it's the norm for those that God are trying to use, that God is trying to form it and mold his plan around you. So it may be required that, you know what, this isn't my, you know what, let me just step back, right? 
And unfortunately, when that happens sometimes, it makes our hearts sick because we're so set and ready to go. We, we just knew this was it. You know, you just knew it was it. And you just get sick, you get frustrated, you give up. And a lot of people give up to the point where they never follow through on God's dreams. They never follow. They just give up hope, right? Those are these deferred um, desires that I'm talking about, deferred hope, right? Now there's three dangers. Let's look at those real quick in deferred hope. One of those is very common right now. Depression, right? This is the simple, and let's look at it in the simple form in Proverbs here. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, right? We can get so depressed. You know, you may have known people that just spend months and Sundays, you know, just under the covers, don't want to show their face because they told everybody, right? Like a movie I watched over the weekend, she called a whole family together, called all the friends because she just knew that was her moment to shine, that she was going to be proposed to, right? That it was time for the ring. She was all ready. Um, but that didn't happen, right? So it made her sick. It made her depressed. It made her go through a lot of changes, right? So we can go into those depressions. And let me zoom out. I'm going to make sure I'm not missing anything over here. Okay, the next thing, it can hinder our prayer life, right? The, the second of the three dangers of deferred hope. A sick heart can make us sick in more ways than one, right? A dangerous result of hope deferred, right, is people that turn away from God when we should be turning to God, right? But uh, but we get so caught up and we forget. Well, I don't even know if I can use the word forget. Get a little sidetracked and say, you know what? Mm-mm. No, I just, no, I, I just don't need that right now. I just need myself. I need this wine or my wine. I need my friends or whatever it is. But when that's the time to turn in and turn to God, right? The third one, danger of deferred hope. It can create an opening for spiritual infection, right? Now, we know when you have an open wound, right? Germs get in into those wounds, right? And, and if you look at it, Anytime the doctors go in or you go in for something, they're concerned about the infection. They want to make sure when that wound is opened up, right, until it's closed up, until it starts to heal, that infection doesn't sit in, right? Hope deferred can be like a cut. A, a deep wound in a person's spirit. Their heart's just so sick, right? And, and they're like, and if they aren't careful, that temptation to slip into sin, to slip into the old ways of the past and just say, forget all of this. I'm just done with this. Don't mention Jesus to me. Don't mention the Holy Spirit. Don't mention God. You just like, I don't want anything to do with this, right? And hope deferred has led a many person, a many single, you know, and a lot of single people to take up with the spawn of the devil. I will never be married, so I will just settle. You know what? I'll just take him. You know what? I can change him. I know he out there right now selling drugs on the street corner, and he already got, you know, way more kids than I got fingers to count on, but I probably can change him. I can probably make him a good husband just to say I got a husband, right? You know what? I think I will choose her. Self, that sounds like a good idea, and yourself telling you, mm-hmm. 
that looked like a good idea. That looks like the woman for you, right? You know, that deferred hope can convince us of a lot of strange things, right? And we have to be careful during those seasons of deferred hope, those seasons of depression, because we can start looking for solace in all the wrong places, right? Hope deferred has had a, a lot of people return to alcohol, return to drugs, return to gambling, return to sexual immorality, right? Returning to prostitution, whatever it is, the, this list can go on and on. But when our heart gets sick, things don't go the way that we want them to go, right? Going back and saying, you know what? Well, I know we done broke up 50,000 times, but you know what? I just really don't want to be by myself, so I'm going to put up with this, right? Hope deferred. A sick heart will do that to us, right? So let's look at some encouragement here. You may be saying, man, Tor, but y'all know I'm going to bring it in, right? Got to add a little sunshine on this, right? Hope, the home of personal encouragement. Our God, that's where we turn to, that home of personal encouragement. Let's look here, Genesis 2 and 8. Genesis 2 and 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And you may be saying, Tor, I don't understand how any of that goes with the text. Well, you know what? Y'all want me to tell you? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you, right? Now, if you look, you know Genesis 1 and 2, right? The story of creation. It tells us God creates the lights, the animals, the vegetation, man. But then... It says he didn't create a garden. He planted one. Now, if you catch that, now also, if you, did you catch that before? Has anybody ever caught that? It didn't say he created a garden. It says he planted one. A very, very important distinction. If we look at this, right? Almighty, the powerful God, stopped stooped down, took time to plant a garden. Well, we know he just could have said, right? Let there be a garden, right? The way he said, let there be light. Let there, you know, be this. You familiar with the scripture, right? So then that verse probably would have said, you know, and then there was a garden. Then there was the evening, you know, on such and such day. If we look at it like that. But then you may be saying, well, why did he plant? Why did he plant a garden, right? And if you picture this taking place, just picture this taking place, right? He takes the seed, moves it around, gets the dirt all moved around, and he puts that seed into the ground, right? Then causes it to be watered. The plant starts to grow, and he takes great pleasure in what he's seeing. I can just see him like, man, look how that thing is growing, right? And in other words, he likes to see life grow in barren places. He enjoys creating beauty out of dirt, right? And our personal desires and hopes may seem like dried up, useless parched ground that nothing with no hope of anything growing out of it right you may be thinking mm -mm, nothing can ever come out of this there is nothing good about this ground right but if we look here and, and you can't help but say when when it says <laughs> he planted one he planted a garden, you know? So you have to look, God takes great pleasure in making deserts bloom, right? He loves to see blooming, fruitful things growing out of dry earth, right? Proof here, let's look at Isaiah 35 and six. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the waistline. Come on now, if you 
you look at Isaiah 35 and 1, even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Come on now, no matter how dry it may seem, no matter how you may look at your life and say it's barren, there's nothing good that can come out of this. All you have to do is refer back as he asks us to do. Just look at my word. The answer is there. The hope is there. I am your home of personal encouragement. I am your hope, right? Isaiah 35 and 1. Uh, again, even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom. He loves to create beauty out of nothing, right? And oh my goodness. And the things that we hope for are important to him, right? Look at Romans 4, 18. Even when there is no reason for hope, Abraham did what? He kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. Psalms 27 and 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, right? He'll work on bringing that sickness out. He'll work on, you know, raising that hope level back up. If we turn to him as opposed to deferring our hope into things um, that are going to take us in the wrong direction, right? We know our God is a faithful God, right? Working on our behalf. So how can we not praise him? Again, we had a wonderful um, praise and testimony Tuesday in the standing in the gap, right? So even when things look bad, I say lean on hope. Continue your hope. If your anchor seems like it's floating up, right, push it back down. If you got to drop about 50 pounds of cement on it to keep it from raising up, to be that anchor of strength, to be that anchor of hope for you, that's what you got to do, right? Admit your problems honestly. Talk to God about them, right? Wait before him in prayer while you're meditating on the word, right? Come on now mother Sandra wait on God and when he speaks you got to be quiet though you got to listen you got to meditate in the word right and when he speaks listen obey and believe keeping the faith right and as I close this out I want you to remember for yesterday is but a dream tomorrow is only a vision but today well lived makes every yesterday a dream of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. I love y'all. I truly do. Until tomorrow night, walk good, do good, be good. And if you're feeling down, just remember, I have a home of personal encouragement, right? Our Father, our God. Tornado, I'm out of here. I love y'all. God loves you. I truly do. We truly do. You all know the Torah. 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 Nato. 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 Nato.